Hi, welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics, and on this podcast, we offer expert sex advice and soulful conversations so you can create an amazing sex life on your own terms. I want to start right now by saying this is episode 299, and we are so excited to move forward with this project. Um, We did just move into a new house, and as I was listening to, um, as I was editing the last podcast episode, I all of a sudden felt like the sound quality was not good enough for your ear holes. So with the help of our amazing support on Patreon, we were able to order a few new pieces of equipment. And in this new home office, we are going to be transforming it into a recording studio. So we are going to be doing that in the next few days slash next week. And so episode 300 will kick off the use of our new equipment. We are going, we are getting upgraded, right? So we hope that it will uh, increase your listening pleasure, and we want to thank our Patreon members so much for your support. It really felt like we could invest in this to make it better for you and everyone. Mm -hmm. Especially for those of you listening in headphones, we want to be respectful to your ear holes. (laughs) We like to caress all orifices, including with oral vibrations. (laughs) In the continuing adventures of sex educators being parents, by the way, um, my daughter has been really interested in science books. My daughter, our daughter, (laughs) our (laughs) beloved child. Um, And she was reading one recently about the senses. It's the magic school bus traveling into the senses. And it was so fun to go back to that place of awe and wonder. When we started Pleasure Mechanics, we really geeked out on the senses Mm. and on touch and how pleasure works in the body. It's some of the first big research you and I did. Do you remember that? Um, And it was so much fun to think about touch as vibration and how we stimulate the different nerve endings in the skin. And so anyway, she was feeling real old and she was really excited about that and about like the inner ear, which I have the structure of the inner ear tattooed on my hips, um, along with a pelvic floor on my back. And she was so excited about how the inner ear worked. And I was just like, oh, like the awe and the wonder for the human body. Hmm. So yeah, so welcome to episode 299. Episode 300, we hope will sound a little different. And we will be making some announcements next week and also doing a personal episode sharing kind of a state of the union on episode 300 as we have for episodes 100 and 200 before. Um, This week we are going to be talking about ethical porn. Ethical porn meaning how porn is made, but also how it's consumed and how we can align this part of our sexuality um, with our values. So it feels more celebratory and exciting and stimulating and thrilling um, rather than shameful and secret and like a dirty need we need to take care of, right? Um, I want to say up front, as we talk about porn, porn is a charged topic for people. So as we talk about this, we really want to be intentional about not shaming anyone for their current habits um, and also situating um, how we watch porn in the greater conversation about technology and what's available to us and what's accessible to us. Um, but hopefully expand people's conversation a little bit about how we use porn in our solo sex lives, in our partnerships, as part of our sexual expression and curiosity. 
um, but clear some of the shame clouds around it. Mm. So as we speak, please know that we are not judging. We are not intending to yeah shame anyone just please be gentle with yourself as you think about your own habits we are just um inviting us all into new possibilities that feel better turn us on more and are better for the industries at large Hmm. um yeah let's acknowledge that there's a lot of shame around porn that just comes from the culture and yet porn has always been with us human beings um back to cave paintings as soon as we had media and technology to express ourselves as human beings we started with sexual explicit imagery and language um when the printing press was invented some of the first bestsellers were the explicit sex books um as technology has advanced so has our access to explicit imagery and we now find ourselves at a place where at the click of a button we can get explicit images of all kinds abundantly free without logging in and it's um quite overwhelming it's overwhelming <laughs> but the but the the desire to want to look at erotic material is very human and has as you're saying has existed all through time so just take that in because i think that we're so busy judging our desire to want to consume erotic entertainment that we forget that it's that in and of itself is is not problematic or not an issue at all it's very human but it's always been forbidden and it's always been taboo and it's always been controlled mm-hmm. right so going back i don't know how they controlled the cave paintings Maybe <laughs> when did this kick off but we know that as soon as for example printed books started to become popular the church and state which at that time was inseparable got right into the business of regulating these books and forbidding people from having them and gathering up copies and burning them um access to sexual information has always been under fire in one way or another and again we can ask ourselves why why that is why do the people in power worry about what explicit imagery people are looking at um but that's maybe another conversation for now let's just think about the fact that porn takes up about one third of internet traffic And if we think about all of the things we use the internet for, from cat pictures to cooking blogs to banking to every industry, and yet one third of those clicks are driven by the desire to see explicit imagery. It's astounding, really to really try and take that in it's almost incomprehensible actually and now the average age of exposure to explicit pornography is nine years old so we're also seeing the first generations come of age with pornography easily accessible and infinite um so how do we talk about the ethics of pornography given this cultural landscape just quick if you're concerned or alarmed by that fact please we have other podcasts about um Sex Positive Parenting, sexpositivefamilies.com is a great resource. Um, that is a whole nother conversation. Yeah. There's a lot of but conversations around people, porn. Um, we could that. do a whole podcast season about porn. Maybe someday we will. But for now, how do we think about ethics? 
So the term ethical porn is a fairly new one, um, but in the 70s and 80s, there was a group of female porn performers who started the term feminist porn and started the conversation about centering the female experience, the female orgasm, female emotions into the production of pornography. And they were the first group of porn performers who then stepped behind the camera and started producing their own porn. And Annie Sprinkle was one of the central figures in this movement. She was also is also one of my main mentors and dear friends. Um, I'm doing an event with her in New York City uh, in a couple weeks. Um, remind me to say more about that at the end of the show. Okay. Uh, some other women that were part of that were figures like Candida Royale, who was behind one of the main female-run porn production studios through the 80s and 90s, um, Nina Hartley. So some of the big figures of the sex-positive porn movement and the feminist porn movement um, came out of this circle of friends in New York City in the early 80s. Only a few years ago, we've kind of started talking about, so went from feminist porn to sex positive porn and the inclusion of diverse bodies and sexual orientations in the porn landscape. And then recently, we've been talking about ethical porn. And this focuses on the workplace conditions, the compensation for the performers, issues of consent, safety, and health on set, and making sure that we respect pornography as a viable, creative field and the workers who work within this industry, both behind and in front of the camera with respect and dignity and fairness and compensation and um, safety for on-place work injuries, stuff like that, right? So ethical porn production and that we make sure the people in the porn are only doing sex acts. They are um, enthusiastically consenting to and often that they themselves are choosing and scripting. So at the core of ethical porn production is centering the performer's consent, desires, and um, enthusiastic willingness to participate in an act, which is different than a porn industry where you show up and you're given a script that says, all right, we're going to do some intercourse and some anal and some ass to mouth and oh no, but I don't want to do ass to mouth. Well, then you're not getting paid today, right? This attitude of treating sex workers as they're disposable and interchangeable and don't have the right to autonomy and sovereignty. Um, making sure performers get paid for their work, uh, making sure workplace conditions are safe. And that includes things like protection from sexually transmitted infections. So this idea of ethical porn production has been circulating amongst the sex workers community and the porn community. But what does all of that mean to you as a consumer of porn? So I want to talk primarily today about ethical porn consumption. So that one-third of internet traffic, um, most of that pornography traffic takes you back in the end to a couple of companies that own these huge tube sites, Pornhub, YouPorn, Xtube, um, and they just flood you with these little clips of videos harvested from the entire industry, often illegally. They throw a ton of clips, put keywords on them, and people go there and I am, I count myself amongst these people up until this past week where I had a totally transformative porn experience. (laughs) Um, you go, you kind of put in your keywords or navigate to the category that most turns you on and bam, you're flooded with porn and you can flip from clip to clip, but the quality of porn there and the energy behind it is often 
confusing for people. So I want to slow your roll a little bit and go back to what you were talking about. Why does this matter in our bodies? Can you talk a little bit about kinesthetic empathy, what that big fancy word means and what that means when we're watching porn? So all of us are kinesthetic empaths, whether or not we recognize that. What that means is if we're in an elevator, for instance, and someone is sobbing, crying, it is likely that we're all going to feel a little bit sad or that their emotion is like really going to affect our physical experience in that moment because we are animals. We are like the, the body. We're, we're relating to each other's bodies all the time and we feel things that other people are feeling when we're in proximity. This magic can be sent over the internet and we can feel what we are, what what we experience through media. And this is a fascinating superpower, right? You can sit in a movie theater and feel the sadness of an actor pretending to be sad, right? So it's like that ability to attune to one another in person around authentic emotions is magical enough. That's awesome. To be able to attune to people's pretend emotions is even more fascinating in some ways. And this is what porn is. It's fantasy, just like going to the movies. It's a fantasy portrayal of certain erotic embodiments. So the multi-orgasmic woman that loves being pounded, the big hard man that's never going to lose his erection, the gangbang, the threesome, all of the fantasies are played out for us by performers. And it's just important to name that. And then their physical experience gets transmitted through this media and into our bodies. And that is why we enjoy it. It kind of gives us a taste of a certain embodiment and arouses us through visual stimulation, through oral stimulation, and then through the way we touch ourselves and feel in our bodies. So because we are all kinesthetic (laughs) empaths, when somebody is experiencing authentic erotic charge and turn on we are going to experience that more richly Mm -hmm. and that's awesome whereas if somebody is feeling shamed and frustrated with their experience in their day we're gonna or just bored or checked out or yeah if you really pay attention how porn performers are feeling like what's behind their work at that moment you really tap into some of them are having a great time, but all too often it's boredom, being frustrated, being checked out, actually struggling either physically or emotionally. And you kind of see that. And then often for me, when I turn that porn off, I feel kind of icky in my belly. Like I don't feel great about participating in it. I don't feel great about what I just absorbed, what I just partly shared, But when I find great porn where people are having a really good time and you can really feel that, um, it can give me that feeling of reverence and celebratory joy into my erotic experience. So that's the potential of sharing erotic visual stimulation of sharing an erotic joy that's happening on screen. Like that's the best possible use of of porn. Like that's, we want it Mm -hmm. to be a a life giving thing to you consuming it, that you're Mm -hmm. celebrating eroticism. Yeah. And authentic erotic empathy, not like Mm -hmm. feeling shame in watching something that is a bit 
doesn't feel that good. Mm-hmm. Like you deserve better. Right. You, there is more potential and it's work to find or it takes a bit of effort and it's out of the mainstream. Well, let's do some of that work for okay. them. <laughs> um, because I used to be very immersed in this field, in the sex positive feminist porn field in San Francisco, but that was 13, 15 years ago. Um, and she nearly became a pornographer. It was. It was a path not taken. Um, some would argue I still did. <laughs> um, nuances. So I wanted to find the best sites to offer you right now and to encourage you to go visit because I really want to challenge you, whatever porn you have been watching, pay attention to how you are feeling in your body as you watch it. So beyond the immediate hot wiring arousal, beyond the strokes on your genitals, what is the emotional experience you are sharing with the porn performers? Just ask yourself that question and be willing to feel the range of answers that you inevitably will find. Um, So I went looking for some fun sites. I had known about producers like Erica Lust, who is a female producer out of Barcelona and creates very aesthetically beautiful, striking, kind of young, hip, European chic beauty but really great scenes, a lot of great story arcs. She has this uh, series called X Confessions where users submit fantasies and then she brings them to life, which I think is fun. And then there's Pink and White Productions and this is the San Francisco queer, trans-inclusive, kink-inclusive. All bodies. um, All bodies, all expressions, which can be really beautiful to see queer sex and queer joy. Um, But I wanted to find something kind of straight and inclusive, but super joyful, sex positive. I was not prepared to find the amazing site that I did, Um, brightdesire.com. This is not a sponsorship. I went looking for them and I was so overjoyed with what I found. Um, Bright Desire, it's a husband and wife team out of Australia. Um, She goes by Ms. Naughty. Mm. And they have together been producing and curating the site for six years. And it's just a collection of the most joyful, authentic, beautiful, interesting intelligent porn I've seen in a really long time Um, there are links in the show notes um, of this podcast episode I really encourage you to check it out and this brings me to another point we need to pay for our porn if we want well-produced porn that is ethically produced that stands behind its performers and compensates them well and creates beautiful art for us, we need to pay for that material, but it doesn't have to be expensive. This isn't a drain your bank account kind of thing. It's $10 a month, $20 a month. Find a production studio you like that matches your aesthetic, that sexually interests you and thrills you, and then join as a member and you get access to these archives often of material so you can browse around, try different things, um, and see what turns you on. Um, but Bright Desire, I ended up spending a lot of time this week looking at different porn sites. And when I found this one, I lingered and I've been looking at it every day for a few days now. Um, but I it's came been... home and she's like, I've been looking at porn all day. I feel like I haven't been But it was work, for the podcast. Work, but it was for and the... I was like, you're working. Like, this is your work, honey. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but it was such a pleasure to find scenes that were artsy and interesting and intelligent, but also scenes that were just really hot and beautiful and showed really authentic communication and laughter. And those moments I love in sex where people's facial muscles start to twitch, where their whole body trembles, or they gasp for 
air and you just feel something thunder through their body. Their filming captures those moments and because it's like authentic, joyful sex, um, you get more of that, of that Mm. kind of authentic gorgeousness of other people's sexual embodiment. Um, and as I was watching this, there's one performer I'm particularly interested in and respond well to, um, but he's a dancer and a porn performer and a sex worker. And I was thinking like, it's his job to embody his eroticism and then share that with us. And what a joy to be able to participate in that, in this consensual exchange of images and, um, respectful viewership. And then I can build that arousal. Another scene was Jiz Lee, who's a genderqueer porn performer. He was masturbating to a voiceover track of fan mail. And I love that kind of how it captured that exchange of we're at home getting turned on, they're performing for us. And it's this ethical value driven loop of consuming their erotic art. How beautiful. It's like so many yeses. <laughs> yeah. I just love that. So when you're, when you're paying for this, you are like saying yes to erotic celebration, to bringing more of that into the world and for yourself and for all of us, the industry. Yeah. And it's really a beautiful thing to value your own eroticism enough that you're investing in it. And and humanizing the performers. Yeah, that's so valuable. You were talking about um, really finding the performers that you're particularly interested in and turned on by, and then following them on social media and really understanding that they're people. I think in this culture, we're so used to dehumanizing any anyone that is sexual, especially women, but everyone. Um, and so remembering that they are people that have opinions and thoughts and lives. And when you actually engage with an individual and follow them and get to know them a little bit, I think that helps you understand that you're actually honoring and enjoying a person. Mm -hmm. And I think at some level that's healing Mm -hmm. (laughs) as we begin to remember that erotic entertainment is entertainment. They are performers and it's a contribution to our lives and there's some of the most amazing people i've ever met have been sex workers and erotic performers and Mm. it's no small thing to live in this world as a visual visible sexual being let alone a out sex worker Mm. Um, they are under fire especially right now and so to embody that in the world takes a certain kind of strength and integrity with their own sexuality and that can really model for us coming into more Um, acceptance and alignment with our own, the parts of us that we desire, the parts of us we see reflected in these performers. And Jiz Lee, for me, embodies um, such joyful, playful power. Mm. And what they do with their body is just so permissive. And it's like sexual athleticism Mm. that I find very aspirational. (laughs) Um, So I would love as a second challenge the first challenge is to watch the porn you've already been watching notice how you feel notice what you're participating in um and do you feel shame do you feel guilt do you fear feel like it's like this dirty thing you have to get over quickly or is it a form of entertainment you give yourself permission to fully enjoy and settle into and celebrate yourself with just like you would be excited about the new star Wars movie when it came out. Like if you're an Uber fan, you experience excitement and joy. Um, when we get to participate in these 
this, this media, this technology. So do you bring that same celebration and joy to how you watch porn? In another episode, we will talk about the porn conversation. Mm. So we've talked about the ethics of porn production a little bit, the ethics of porn consumption, paying for your porn, finding porn that's made ethically and enjoying it ethically. But what about aligning your values with your partner's values? Mm. And what happens when those values may be different so what is the porn conversation within a relationship whole nother conversation we will return to that but i certainly think this sort of porn is obviously easier to share with another partner i think so um but anyway we'll get into that more later yeah and the question of why that is i think is a really interesting one um so brightdesire.com is our five star highest recommendation for the week um if you join uh would love to hear that you joined and hear which videos you liked um let's send each other title recommendations and maybe i'll start a page where i take some notes on some of the Mm. clips or something um because there's a lot of beautiful work there and she also curates really interesting like animations and things off Vimeo so it's like the best sexual content that's being shared that she has playlists for it's called under the bed or something Mm. which I think is cute um so brightdesire.com Erica Lust's movies are fabulous um I will link up a few other resources in the show notes page crash pad Yes, we will link all of that up. And, and I'm sure there are more. We will continue exploring. Tell us what you and find. And if you find, if you have resources that you think are fabulous and ethical, um, please do let us know. I feel like it would be a value to <laughs> I can only spend so many days searching yeah. porn, people. <laughs> Share the labor with me. <laughs> and we will also have a conversation about this going over on our Patreon page. Um, thanks again to our patrons. Through their support, we were able to invest back in this show and order new equipment so hopefully a whole new sound will be coming to you in episode 300 um patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics join our growing community of supporters of this show get bonus episodes bonus resources direct conversation with us your pleasure mechanics and stickers in the mail if you want them it's another way to say yes to erotic education and erotic mm-hmm. inspiration. Um, mm-hmm. We do slight audio entertainment, erotic <laughs> audio entertainment of sorts, Indeed. but no. Um, yeah, contribute yeah. to saying yes to yeah. more awesome holistic sexuality in the world. Yeah, if you appreciate us in your weekly feed, uh, feed us weekly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> New York City, you're going to New York City. I'm going to New York City August 12th for a Pleasure Activist Sunday. I'll put the link to the Facebook event in the show notes page. It is an event with not only Annie Sprinkle, but Barbara Corellis of Urban Tantra, uh, masturbation legend Betty Dodson will be there, Veronica Vera, Veronica Hart. There's a Mm. whole beautiful crew, an intergenerational crew of sex educators and artists and activists coming together to fundraise for a church renovation fund. Um, Wow. I I didn't realize it was... (laughs) It's for um, Judson Church, which is in Washington Square Park of New York City and has long been a social justice church and an advocate for sex worker rights and sex positivity and queer rights and has been a center of organizing and um, social justice movements for many years and they need a new roof. That's awesome. So we are doing a Pleasure Activist Sunday with all sorts of offerings. Um, We'll be there with our friend Cindy Darnell, who's a fabulous Australian sex therapist that just moved 
to New York City, oh, so I get to go spend a few days with her. You... We've interviewed her on another. Mm-hmm. Charlotte will be here with our child. Uh, Sorry about going. it. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so if you are in or around New York City or want an excuse to visit, come say hi and make sure to introduce yourself. I will be there in uniform. And leading a breath meditation. Yeah, and yeah. For everyone? Yes, so in come... a church. Yeah. That's awesome. Annie Sprinkle is showing her new movie, um, which is about eco-sexuality. So it should be a beautiful, fun, stimulating time if you are in around New York City. We will be back in New York City in September for the Brooklyn Sex Expo. Um, but the best way to always find us, no matter where in the world you are, um, is to come on over to pleasuremechanics.com. It's our online home. You can sign up for our free online course, explore all of our offerings, our past 298 podcasts. And we will be back with you next week, hopefully with a brand new sound, some new fancy microphones, and more good loving for your ear holes. We should do an episode on ear sex sometimes, like licking the ears and penetrating the ears. And some people love it and other people hate it. Mm. There's so much to talk about. That would be a short episode. (laughs) I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics. Wishing you a lifetime of pleasure.